Welcome to the Park Road Podcast for February 9th, 2020. Today's podcast is a sermon given by Amy Jackstein and Russ Dean, co-pastors at Park Road Baptist Church. The title of the sermon today is, Do Prayer Shawls Really Work? The material, our stuff, the tangible things. I could give you a thousand examples of how stuff has been a connection from, for me to God. The spaces that I hold as sacred. Just walking in some spaces gives you that feeling of connectedness to the divine. But then I could also name the number of casseroles that have been served to me over the course of surgeries or illness or death. And I could name for you flowers received and cards sent. And the way that buildings are utilized on our campus. So many tangible material ways I have experienced God. But I'll tell you about one in particular. I tell you these stories each week of this series of Epiphany as a way to encourage you to comb through your own stories, your own life of faith, and find your own stories that you could tell of connectedness to God. Here's one from me. Twelve years ago, my father was so sick. He was sick from Uh, the week before Thanksgiving until January the 11th. And sometime in that span of his sickness and hospitalization, and I was going back and forth from work to caring, taking my turn to care for him, somewhere along the way, a needler gave me, one of our needlers gave me a prayer shawl and just said, we give this to you, just wrap yourself in it and feel our love and feel our prayers. You cannot know what that prayer shawl meant. It was something I could touch. I could wrap it around me and it just felt different than a regular blanket. I literally could feel the prayers of the people with me, of my people with me, and I don't even know who made it. I loved it. It stayed on my chair. You know how you have your chair. It stayed on my chair. So anytime I touched it, anytime I wrapped myself in it, anytime I just saw it, I thought of my dad, and I thought of my people, and I thought of the prayers, and I felt a sense of connectedness. Honestly, not to my dad. I felt a sense of connectedness to God. Well, we moved about two and a half years ago, just three miles away. The shawl did not make the move, or it's still in an unpacked box. Do you know about this? moving and not unpacking all your boxes in a timely manner. I feel that one day my children or grandchildren will come across it when they unpack some box that has moved from house to house that never gets unpacked. Do you really need the stuff in the boxes if you haven't unpacked it after two and a half years? I do. (laughs) So two and a half years ago, we make the move. My shawl doesn't make it. Well, about one and a half years ago, my mother died. And she died for eight long, horrible days. And when I got home, I got a prayer shawl. I don't know if they forgot they had given me one or if they'd heard through the grapevine that the shawl didn't make the move. 
but now it sits on my chair. It's a thing. It's just yarn from Michael's with needles probably from Walmart or Michael's knitted by our people who gather once a month to knit together and they knit all the time and every time they pick up their needles they're holding someone in prayer they don't even know the person it's a thing that connects me to God Russ's mother is in the hospital today I wish I could say she was doing great she's just not doing great but she we hope that she will get better so I went to the needler closet it comes with a card. May this healing prayer shawl be a source of strength and comfort to you. Whenever you place it on your shoulders, we hope you will imagine yourself enfolded and surrounded by the love, prayers, and compassion of all those who love you, even those you do not know. God bless you this day and every day, the prayer shawl ministry of Park Road Baptist Church. I can't wait to get to the hospital this afternoon because yesterday Marmee was cold and those hospital blankets are just the worst. Don't you think she's going to love it? Don't you think she's going to feel it? The tangible expression of love the tangible material expression of peace comfort prayer don't you think just touching it will make a difference I do may it be so amen The late John Kenneth Galbraith was a Harvard economist. Now, if only I had time, I would explain to you post-Keynesian macroeconomics this morning. And if you believe that, uh, I'm sure it's a good thing I don't have time to try to explain post-Keynesian economics to you. But John Kenneth Galbraith was no fan of advertising, apparently. And the more I read about Galbraith this week and reread the quotation that I placed as the opening meditation in your bulletin, the more I realized he was probably no fan of the church at all. I originally read his quote as a critique of the God of the electronic church, which I assumed to be some contemporary version of church. Upon further reflection, my guess is that his critique was meant for anyone who deigns to worship at all, not the electronic church that's superficial. I assume now this was Galbraith's only understanding of God, whether the electronic church, the liberal church, any church, all of the church, church is just another advertising con for a magical deity. Now, I don't know how the quotation made its way into my files to begin with, what I thought it meant when I first put it there, but I'm pretty sure now that he thought the whole purpose of church, all church, is slick promotion, glitzy advertising, and God is part of the con. Shysters, hucksters, snake oil salesmen, all of us 
just peddling church, selling something people don't need. Organized religion has always fought its own reputation, and for good reason. There's always been abuse, someone always willing to use God as an all-powerful front man, the church as a shell company for laundering ill-gotten gain. And, And the question is legitimate. What did Jesus intend when he founded that church on Peter? Amy just read the text. Or did he found the church on Peter's faith? Upon this rock I will build my church. Was the rock Peter? Or was the rock Peter's faith? Asking the very question reveals the tension. If Jesus founded the church on Peter, then personalities, leaders, Structures, systems, programs, you know, brick and mortar all become inevitable, essential. For Roman Catholics, the whole multi-billion dollar global enterprise is a God-ordained structure necessary for promoting a physical church led by the Pope, who is the apostolic successor to Peter. On the rock of Peter, I will build a physical church. Or was it Peter's faith? If it was Peter's faith that Christ intended to build on, can faith be promoted without brick and mortar? Without ecclesiastical structures, doctrines, hierarchies, without all the frail and failed stuff, the apparatus of institution that is so inevitably prone to abuse? In fact, might the institution All of that stuff be an impediment to what it's really all about. Might church actually get in the way of faith what Peter has become a hindrance to what he was to begin with? What's the relationship between the stuff and the faith? Not long ago, I spoke with someone who had been a longtime member of his church But he had recently allowed the skepticism that he has nurtured through many years of asking good, critical questions to influence him a bit. He'd been part of a church and part of a group that had studied hard and long, and they had dialogued and debated, and they'd asked lots of good questions. But he'd been allowing those questions to turn him a bit, and he had had gotten a bit skeptical about church. You know... They spend too much money in the church, on the church. We spend too much money here. It's about them out there. It's about homelessness and housing and education and mission. I listened to this long harangue against the organized church, his own organized church, his critique of the stuff. And then I asked how it was that he had developed such a passion for them out there in the first place. Had it not been all the hours he had spent here in an active Sunday school class that had studied and argued and debated and read and reflected, had it not been all the friendships that he had developed inside a church building through programs and with the help of paid ministers. 
Was it not the institutional church that had given him a vision for missions to begin with? Well, Russ, he said, you got a good point. I hadn't thought about it that way. You know, the stuff can get in the way, of course. Just like at your house, you can spend too much on paint and the sofa, the house becoming the priority when what you're really trying to build is a home. You know the difference in the house and the home. But are you just going to tear it all down and give everything you have to the poor and go out, live in the woods with them? I'm going to defend the institution, the walls the brick and mortar, the programs, the staff, the structures and systems, the stuff, prone as it always will be to abuse because I do not know a better way to teach Jesus to the world. His vision for them out there. I will defend the institution, the material structures and systems of organized religion, a physical church building the tangible stuff right here because I do not know a better, more effective way to get out there. Yeah, it takes money, my money and your money, and I don't hesitate to talk about it and ask you to give, and the tithe is the target. Do you tithe? My mother's father taught her, and she taught me, tithe 10%, save 10%, and spend the rest with joy and thanksgiving. It's a lesson I will never forget. Tithe the first 10%. It's an easy figure to calculate. Just move the decimal point. That's what you give. It's enough to feel it. If you put a 20 in the plate, you'll never miss that. 10% is enough to feel, but not enough to really hurt, you know. It's easy to calculate. Are you giving? Now, I like to say you ought to tithe to your church because there are plenty of people out there that can give to all those other institutions. If we want to support church, we've got to support church. But if you don't tithe here, I encourage you to tithe. Give what you will here and give the rest of your tithe somewhere else. But tithe, it's a good, good measure. Your stuff makes a difference. Are you supporting the institution? Yeah, it's all open to critique, as it should be. Free, fair, open, transparent, made and led by human beings, the church is all open to critique. I just don't know a better way to sell something we do need. Do you? May it be so. Amen. We invite you to learn more about Park Road at parkroadbaptist.org. Park Road is a progressive faith community located in Charlotte, North Carolina, encouraging independent thought, community service, social justice, and interfaith understanding. Today's podcast was produced with production help from Hugh Ashcraft, Brian Smith, Bruce White, and Rich Dower. Our theme music was composed by Brandon Michael Williams. Thanks for listening today. Grace and peace to you.